The Incomparable. Number 490. December 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I, I kind of consider this the sequel to the episode we did when Disney bought Lucasfilm, which was a long time ago now, but The Incomparable has been around for even longer. Uh, and that was a fascinating episode where we kind of couldn't believe it, and they announced that they were going to do new Star Wars movies and all of that. This is kind of like that, and that we're not going to actually talk about a particular work, but I do want to talk about Star Wars, and I, I want to specifically talk about the problem of the original trilogy and its very many different versions. And I want to talk with my panelists about what we think might be the right way out of this predicament that uh, Disney and Lucasfilm and Star Wars and movie lovers find themselves in, where there is not one version of some of the most influential movies of the 20th century. So we're going to talk about what Disney could do with the original Star Wars movies. Um, and uh, any anything goes, I suppose. But I, I just kind of want to talk through all the issues involved here. And if we want to list this is not a grievances of the special editions draft, but if you want to mention your grievances, it's fine. It's almost Festivus. I'm going to let you get out your titanium pole and uh, list your grievances. Joining me to talk about uh, what Disney might do with Star Wars are the following wonderful people. You heard her laugh. Kelly Gamont. Hello. Hi. I'm really glad to be here. I would have been in a little bit earlier, but uh, it's supposed to be freezing in this princess's chamber and like all my clothes are soaking wet. Hmm. It's a whole thing. Okay. Um, we scanned him in from 16 millimeter film. It's Moises Chuyan. Hello. Uta Guta Snow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> McLunky. Uh <laughs> also also here Dan Morin. He uh Dan shot first. Uh, Jason, you're a wonderful human being. <laughs> and uh we replaced him with ni- late nineties Macintosh based renderings. It's John Syracusa. Is this the show where we're talking about Star Wars the final cut? Or do we have to wait another ten years for that one? Ooh, maybe. Maybe we are. Will there ever be a final cut? These are the part of a, part of a five disc set. Obviously, these are the issues. Yeah. Allegedly, he's done with it. So, just like any time Hayao Miyazaki says that he's retiring, mm-hmm. we should trust this, right? It's the final cut asterisk. <laughs> the story here. I mean, anybody who's listening to this probably knows this, but just the story is that that George Lucas was not able to keep his hands off of the movies that he made that made him famous and made him a a multi 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 millionaire slash billionaire and. Um, he just couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. He was embarrassed. He kept enjoying because one of the great things about George Lucas is that he was pushing the technology of filmmaking forward. And then he would look at his famous movies and be like, hmm, the technology doesn't hold up. And he would continually revise them. This actually predates the special editions, which came out on the 20th anniversary of Star Wars, the 1997 special edition. Um, he backtracked and added a uh, a title for episode four a new hope which wasn't there originally because he wanted it to sync up with episode uh, five the empire strikes back so he was making little tweaks even earlier but the big thing happened in 1997 where there were special editions that they re-released into theaters i went and saw them it was very exciting and they had modern special effects like computer animated x-wings and things like that and uh, they, the idea was to make it a little more like the prequels that were coming out shortly thereafter and to just kind of clean up some stuff. Um, since then, there's been a Blu-ray release. And what makes this timely is that with the launch of Disney Plus in November of 2019, a 4K HDR release on Disney Plus of these movies, which 
is again not quite the same as the previous release. Apparently, this is Lucas's final set of changes, and he made these before he, I don't know what, departed to another realm uh, somewhere. Turned into a forest ghost. Yeah. He handed it, them off mm-hmm. and turned all blue and glowy. Exactly right. So, uh, but but wow. it came as a surprise to many of us because my understanding is that this was a, you know, it was a tightly held secret within Lucasfilm that these things existed. But then uh, I think also very telling that when they uh, were released on Disney Plus, Disney didn't do like a big like, oh, you got to check out these new Star Wars releases. They're 4K HDR. They're amazing. Because I think even they were like, it's another version and they're going to see Greedo say McGlunky and they're going to, and the internet, it was not going to be denied. The internet found it out anyway. There's a deep irony in some ways too, in that, you know, 20 years on from the Phantom Menace, he's shown no indication of ever wanting to tweak anything. That was perfection, right? All those movies Mm -hmm. were great. Well, Dan, you say that, but the DVD release of the Phantom Menace featured a change that we've all forgotten about because there have been so many other changes that have been made and that's that they replaced the puppet Yoda with a CG oh, Yoda. Oh, the CGI Yoda. That's matching, true. They did fix Matching that. what they were doing for Attack of the Clones. I don't think we forgot. I think a lot of us didn't know because how many people went back and watched it again once you, if you bought the disc, how many people went back and sat down and watched it again? Because I did not. <laughs> that's a good point. And now nobody's yeah. gone to see the theatrical version, right? And is not able to match it up. Wasn't there a 3D iteration in the midst of all this nonsense? They did a 3D re-release of The Phantom Menace a few years ago with the intention of going and doing 3D conversions of everything, and then 3D died. Yeah, my understanding is that the 4K HDR version that's on Disney Plus was part of the same project where they were going to do a new 3D version of the... I I can't even say it. A 3D (laughs) version of the original trilogy so you could watch... That movie. Uh. This time Greedo shoots you. It's yeah, very. Oh no. <laughs> so uh, the, the, before we get started, the other point I wanted to make is that the special edition is now older than Star Wars was when they did the special edition. So, yeah. So what, what we have now with these special editions is essentially, with some exceptions, uh, examples of late 1990s special effects in a late 1970s film as seen from the perspective of the late 2010s. Jason, as, as someone who who just watched Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back this afternoon, the 4K, the HDR, the uh, the contrast, everything, gorgeous, amazing. Uh, but those 1997-era special effects, they really, really stick out. And uh, the the color timing changes that they made since the Blu-rays makes the three movies look more of a piece and more consistent uh, in terms of contrast and lighting and just ju- just the general look that has improved. But but if anything, uh, making the movies look better makes those effects stand out even worse. You know, I think part of my hang up with this is that and this may be a shock to some people. Um, I enjoy other universes as well. For example, the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, they re-released uh, some of the episodes of the TV show. Like they put them out. I think it was that they put them out on DVD and they were redone. They, they had been rejiggered, not to get too technical on everybody, but mm. they sort of went in and like erased the lines where you could see the strings, you know, and little things like that. And they they had been touched but they were cleaned up and 
they're beautiful and they're the same thing that I remember seeing on TV. And in some cases, there's some they, there are some things that I remember watching on tape from a VCR over again because they were episodes I really enjoyed and recorded. So I think part of my frustration with this is that I've seen that there is sort of restoration like we we weren't really, you know, today we're not fans of the the effects from that era. So we're going to try and improve that a little bit, but it didn't take away anything and it didn't fundamentally change anything in that plot or in that particular episode or about that particular character's development, you know, if it was something involving a person or or an alien. So I think for me part of the frustration is that I've seen it done well, so I know that that's possible and it's not like nobody can do this and it's an insurmountable task. And I think my frustration comes from that. Like I've seen other universes that start with star that have managed this somehow. And this just seems to get borked every time. Like every time somebody, there's another, we hear there somebody took another shot at it. Like I just, I have to like roll my eyes and sigh deeply and like steal myself for whatever went wrong this time it's not somebody though it's always george yeah. lucas is the answer that's, that's i think we found the, the problem here by the way the star trek original series what they did is they redid the effects um with computer graphics in the style of the old series but they wanted to to have it be something that was um upgraded from the the effects of the late 60s they didn't make changes to to story they made a couple of changes to some practical effects like a little readout on the on the, on the control system that didn't make sense earlier but mostly it was just the space shots they made the the gorn blink uh but right. otherwise but li- like they little, kind of left stuff alone. very little things right also on those releases the the original which was like hd dvd and then when they did it in blu-ray you can actually choose to watch the original effects instead so there's a choice to watch it as it was originally made which isn't something mm-hmm. that again doesn't exist with star wars that leads directly to what I feel like is the practical thing that could be done. There are three different aspects to the preservation of the original films that I think are very important. And I feel like negotiating for them with George uh, is, is kind of a lost cause. And that's the picture and picture quality, the color timing specifically, and the soundtrack, because there are issues on all three of those fronts. We go to the precedent of the Laserdisc versions being included on that one 2006 DVD set. Then maybe maybe there there is something diplomatically that can be put together. But even though George is no longer with Lucasfilm, even though George sold Lucasfilm, my understanding is that they do not want to cross that line with him. And so it, it may take until until he is no longer with us, which would be sad. Or it could be that Bob Iger is just incredibly good at sweet-talking George Lucas, and, and, and the same kind of reasoning can be brought to the table, which is, well, let's, let's just release, uh, you know, just, just as, a, as a special bonus feature kind of a thing. You, nobody will really look at it. These are the real pristine, beautiful 4K, HDR, Dolby Vision, whatever versions of them. This is, this is what we're really pushing, but, you know... These are these are historical artifacts. We, they, it has to be preserved. I don't think that'll work with him, but I think the closest to a practical solution that for for me has a realistic chance of happening is that. Well, let's start with the original version, since Moises mentioned it. According to George Lucas, it doesn't exist. In fact, um, the Library of Congress recorded uh, requested it for their inclusion in the National Film Registry. 
And George Lucas refused to present them with the original because he said that the special edition was the only edition that he authorized, and they refused it because it wasn't the original published version. They have a 35-millimeter print of the original that was submitted to the Copyright Office that they consider the uh, the version that they're protecting right now, which is it shows you how, how uh, wacky this is. So that's my first question for all of you. Maybe start with uh, John on this one. Um, what is... What what should be done with the 1977 release? Should it be, uh, you know, and, and I, guess, I guess regardless of George Lucas's wishes, should it be preserved? Should it be reconstructed in some way um, by Lucasfilm? Whether it's like, I think Moises is right. The idea that the way you get this out there is by saying, you know, well, we're almost criterion collection like, like, well, we're doing this to preserve it for history. Not, this isn't the version you should watch, but we're going to preserve it for history. And should it be straight up scanned from the highest quality materials? Should it be, um, should it be revisited as a, you know, restoration as where, where it might get cleaned up a little bit, but no new material. I'm wondering what where everybody falls on, like, what is to be done with the original Star Wars? John, what do you think? I mean, the questions of should are pretty easy. Uh, and I think we've learned this lesson from all the, the movies of the past. Like, there, there's no reasonable expectation that every single movie that's ever been made will be preserved with the same level of care and effort and cost i don't remember the facts in this but there was some big some big loss of lots of uh, old movies due to some fire or something and then certain movies during a certain era were shot on film stock that degraded way faster than older movies did and so we i think we've learned the lesson of like well if, if you just don't pay attention to this and be like yeah no one cares about those old movies until you wake up 20 years later and you're like oh people do care about these particular old movies do we have copies of those somewhere and you go check and everything's completely deteriorated and you have to spend huge amounts of time and effort very carefully trying to make sure that like an original print of Gone with the Wind is preserved or something. I don't remember the details of this, but it's it's something that's happened often enough to us with movies specifically that mm -hmm. when it comes to cultural touchstone movies, which the original Star Wars trilogy definitely qualifies for, <laughs> the best thing that you can do is preserve them like a museum would preserve them. Now, that, that involves obviously the actual museum type stuff, like here are the best pieces of celluloid and whatever they happen to be, you know, interpositives, negatives, or whatever whatever they think is the the highest quality one, like preserve those, the physical artifact. But it also means when you have, at, at the time that you have access to whatever the highest quality physical artifact is of this movie, use all your skills and all your powers to get it into digital in some form. So do the highest resolution scan that you can possibly do. When technology advances to 10 years, scan it again, right? You would just like you want to extract all the information you can, put it into a digital form and then keep that digital form moving around so it doesn't deteriorate. That's what you're trying to do. You can't do that with every movie. It's it's silly to like, you know, revisit and, and rescan at higher resolution and protect this digital copy and all these different things and that you can then synthesize. Plus also the special, you know, all the different pieces of film in some clean room and a vacuum chamber, making sure they're preserved, blah, blah, blah. But you can do it with Star Wars and you should do it with Star Wars. And so I think they need to do all those things, whatever they haven't done in the, in the past, which it sounds like they haven't done anything because Lucas wouldn't give them anything except for that, you know, print copy they have for the copyright office. Mm -hmm. and get those get those artifacts and get the scans of the raw materials the scans of the raw materials is not a movie that you can watch it's just trying to preserve the information before it's gone forever from those raw materials you can then synthesize all sorts of different things you could synthesize something that looks like 
a print would look like if you went to the best movie theater in the country in 1977 and saw that movie. That's one thing that you could produce with those raw materials. You could produce all sorts of other things with those raw materials too, including entirely new editions with Star Trek style new special effects that if I was in charge, one fun way to do it would be uh, like you just, I haven't seen the Star Trek ones, Jason, but as you just described, I can imagine tasking people with fixing some of the clunkier effects but the the directive to to the crew at ILM or whatever would be, I don't want you to make new like effects like this you would for a movie. What I want you to do is computer simulate a bunch of models on a motion control camera in front of a blue screen. You know what I mean? Like reproduce the exact look and feel of those models. So it looks like someone did a bunch of model shots in 1977 and we just found the footage and it had traveled through a wormhole in time so that they match exactly with everything else but they look a little bit cleaner or maybe there's a couple of different shots that are tweaked or whatever. And, and on from there, you know, simply redoing the, the special edition effects with, uh, with better technology. Uh, you could, you could spin that out forever and ever and have many different versions. And you could, I, I made a joke in the beginning about the, the final cut Blade Runner famously did this where they kept making newer and newer versions of the movie. And I don't think Blade Runner fans are angry about all the different cuts because you could buy all of them in right. a single five D, you know, five Blu-ray disc. So whichever one you like, it's there. And the fact that none of them are withheld and none of them are exclusive makes it so there's far less infighting among Blade Runner fans as to it's more like just which cut do you prefer, which one do you like better. It's not arguing over what's definitive or getting angry because they, uh, you know, painted out a stunt person's face. Like no one cares. It's like watch whichever one you want to watch. Uh, I want Star Wars to get to that point, but. First things first, we need to actually preserve the originals before it's too late, before they really are destroyed or, you know, start to deteriorate if they haven't already or piece together the scraps and, and you know, sort of reassemble the 77 cut. And by the way, we keep talking about Star Wars as in the franchise and the original trilogy, but also as in that single movie from 1977. I personally care much more about the original trilogy as a whole and specifically about Empire the most. Uh, and so I don't get too hung up around, uh, you know, 77 Star Wars. I want the original trilogy. Sure. Theatrical version of all of three of those movies preserved. The conventional thinking in this day and age is, oh, you just scan everything in the highest uh, quality that you can and you don't need those lousy old film prints anymore. The problem with that is that with it being a, a digital file, there, there are two things. First is that film preservationists I trust who know way more about this stuff than I do have told me over and over and over again that it's fine to have the digital thing, but you also need the the film copy. Yeah. And as many stories have gone around about uh, film vault fires and everything, preservation grade celluloid is a more reliable and safer uh, storage medium than even solid state. Um, not even talking about hard drives. You generate that ultimate uh, restored version of, of Star Wars 77 or any of the original trilogy, and then the first thing that happens is it gets put out onto film to be preserved that way because that is that is the most stable. Well, that's what I was saying, keeping the bits moving and also preserving the actual physical copy, and not just one, ideally, like in a museum-style preservation, like I said, in a vacuum chamber, whatever they need to do to actually keep the physical artifact of the original original, and then also making physical backups of the other ones, and then keeping the digital bits moving. Store three different prints in three different locations across all seven continents or sure. something. Do, yeah. do whatever you seed, have. It's in the seed vault, Moises. That's, it's with the yeah. seeds in, in the it, glacier. It belongs and... in a museum! <laughs> 
Oh, wait, that's yeah. the wrong well, franchise. Sorry. The important note, that there, there are knowns and there are unknowns across all of this stuff. Something that we do know is that when they made those 97 special editions in 95, they scanned not the they scanned the original camera negative is is what's been reported but my understanding is that they wouldn't have done that because a bunch of the effects uh well they they would have done that but they would have also scanned the best quality archival prints of the release versions of the movie that they had so they have the version without uh optical effects being put in so that they didn't have to paste over uh some things but that doesn't necessarily match with the story that we've gotten, for example, about the job of the hut insertion in a new hope, um, where it, it sounds to me like what they actually scanned were high end technicolor prints of the, of the original release versions of all three movies and cleaned up from there. So the question is, where did those film print backups of those scans go? Did George actually destroy them? Or does he have saboteurs inside of Lucasfilm who are watching out for the legacy um, and not just what the boss tells them to? You've seen the end of Raiders, right? I mean, you know where they are. <laughs> Time to take a little break and tell you about my sponsor this week. It's Pingdom. The holiday shopping season is well underway. It's time for some good deals. But guess what? You know what the problem is when you're shopping online? When the shopping cart fails. Have you had that happen? I've gotten that a couple of times lately where I've clicked on something ready for checkout or add something to a shopping cart and they've said, mm, come back later, maybe, or I don't recognize you, I don't understand you. It's the worst. You know, having a website unable to be loaded or unable to check you out is, um, it's terrible. And that's why Pingdom exists. Pingdom will let you know the moment your website breaks. Not just goes down entirely, but breaks. Any part of it breaks because it can watch all the different parts and then report back to you in whatever way works best for you. You can use transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout doesn't work, when forms break, when login pages fail, before they affect your customers and your business. Customize who gets alerted and when and how, depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash snell, that's P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash snell right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code SNELL, my last name, at checkout. You'll get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for keeping websites up and running this holiday season and all year long and for supporting the incomparable. What we've just described, multiple copies in sealed containers on multiple continents, repeatedly rescanned at higher and higher resolution until we have molecular uh, replicator Star Trek style duplication of the original negative you know, off into the future. I don't think it's a ridiculous standard for Star Wars. In fact, I think there is no standard that is ridiculous for Star Wars or Gone with the Wind or The Godfather, what have you, these, you know, touchstones of cinema, whatever the best technology we have and the best knowledge that we have and sort of the, the, the best expedience, the expedience is important. Again, but the movies where they were just sort of left to rot because people didn't think, and no one's going to care about those old movies. And then 20 years later, people really care, but it's, you know, it's not too late, but it's close to too late. We're getting to that point with Star Wars. Don't, we can't hang around waiting for George Lucas to die, right? That's not a good strategy. So, well, you know, then we'll go rummage through his basement and find stuff in half a foot of water and, and then we'll scan them. That's, that's not a good idea. It's too many years already. We, we should have done this already and we haven't. Um, and, you know, whoever's going to negotiate with Lucas to make sure his feelings aren't hurt or whatever should take the preservationist angle, which apparently he doesn't find compelling at all. But 
I'm hoping that the legal bottom line is he doesn't actually have a choice and it's more of a courtesy. And at a certain point, the courtesy for Lucas's feelings needs to take a backseat to like preservation like the, of human. The preservation of it is super duper important. And I think, and I wish that he could see that in his own work because he's argued for film preservation on other stuff before and had like what I thought was sort of a, a reasonable standpoint on like, yeah, some of this stuff needs to be cared for. And, you know, things that have had a huge impact are things that we should maybe care a little more about making sure are preserved in that way. And I wish that there was some part of him that would win out at some point, you know, as a film nerd and, you know, like the part of him that used to sit around with Coppola and talk about, you know, whatever. And I wish that that piece of him would occasionally be like, you know, just so that people could see how it evolved, it would be, there should really be like a, a version in some form of what people saw in a theater in 1977 or in 1978 after they added the subtitle to it, you know, that sort of thing. I wish that so that part of him would win out at some point. And I hope that somebody can find a way to appeal to that enough that, um, you know, he can continue to have at least some sort, you know, that that they don't have to just sort of leave him in the dust in order to make sure that this happens. Also, they could potentially, if they're worried about George Lucas's um, disapproval, although he's disapproved of all sorts of things that, yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> like all of the movies they've just, made just since Force Awakens. He won't notice. Importantly, look what he approves of. Honestly, John, that is what I was thinking is, you know, if you care about this and you know that this needs to be done and you're Disney and you're the steward of this historical artifact, um, there's nothing stopping them from restoring it in the background in, in secret. And keeping it in the vault. Disney's got a vault. Uh, we know it. There's less in it than there used to be. Yeah, there's a lot of space in it now, from what I understand. And just say, you know, we did this, and then they can go to George, and no matter how George feels, they know that they've got they've got it. It would be nice, though, as we've said, if, uh, if people could see it in some form or other. Dan, um, haven't heard from you on this one yet. Um, you know, what should be done with the original, not only 77 Star Wars, but the original? Do we restore it to a beautiful point, to, no matter what George Lucas thinks, because they're historically and culturally relevant? Destroy it all. No, <laughs> I you, I just had to take the contrary of you there. Initiate Order 67. <laughs> I, you know, I, I largely agree with John that the preservation of this is obviously important. Uh, it is a cultural touchstone. It has baffled me, um, George Lucas's his his behavior around this particular issue it has become almost kind of monomaniacal um to the point where i know there were like film festivals that were like let's di like you know we're, we're we're a film festival that we're talking about film of the 1970s and he would refuse to give them original prints he'd give them the special editions and they're like this is not from the 70s um it is a an artifact of its time and as such like any artifact that is being treated in a historical fashion you have to know the context and you have to restore it to the best thing i i recently well over my uh over the summer when i was on my honeymoon went to see the the last supper in milan and that is another case where people in the past they've done a lot of things to restore that right they need to keep it uh, as it was and all that but the, it's gone through different levels of you know technical knowledge etc to the point where there was one where it was like repainted with these really terribly yeah. garish colors there's the and, one where jesus was a monkey right yeah that's right <laughs> they, they, what's funny to me about it is that there's a uh so it's on the wall of a refectory uh and at one point they thought it was so so far gone that they figured nah whatever and they they literally blew a hole in the wall to make a door 
and <laughs> blew off. So Jesus' feet are no longer visible in the Last Supper in Milan because they made a door. Mm. So all of these things are about preserving things in their cultural context. And I think as that uh, goes, that the 1977 edition should certainly be preserved. I am not opposed to there being a version that is is remastered and looks better, um, you know, and and has the improved sound and all of that. Uh, I have those laserdisc copies, and they're fine, but they're not great. I mean, especially viewed on today's technology. Right. So I, I agree with John that you know you you start by preserving that, and then you build the versions off it. Frankly, I do think that a lot of this, and I'm sure we'll get into the subsequent versions in a bit, but I, I think. I think the move for Disney is to lean into the fact that this move, this has been changed so many times. And instead of just presenting like, all right, we've got the original 1977 and we've got the, you know, most current editions that George has worked on. You frankly just, you know, have all the versions and you have the ability to sort of flip seamlessly back and forth between them to compare them. Because that in and of itself is also an interesting historical discussion. We are having an entire podcast about preserving this for a reason because the films have been changed so many times and that's interesting in the same way that if you flip through um you know when i'm taking courses on shakespeare in college if you flip through uh, some of shakespeare's plays there are notations for things that differ in say the first folio from subsequent printing like and there's like oh you'll see a little brackets and be like ah this was you know added in this printing edition but not in this original earlier printed edition so you got to sort of preserve things in situ as so much as you can and, and sort of say not only this is the version that we saw in 1977, but here are the things that were changed along the way. Here are why they changed, and here's sort of the contextual information around that. So I mentioned this earlier, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there again. Um, the special editions are older than the movies were when they were made in special editions, which means that they are now historical documents. They are a weird composition of a 70s movie with 90s special effects, which I would argue doesn't make any sense in the year 2019 or into the future. It doesn't make any sense. It's a, a 70s movie with 90s effects. It made sense in the 90s. It doesn't make sense now. So my question is, is there a place for the existing special edition as a as a definitive version of Star Wars, or is the whole thing just a mistake? Because I'm going to say, and and I, I would like all of your opinions about this, I'm going to say, I feel like the late 90s Mac version of the X-Wings flying by in, in Star Wars is not appropriate for now or history, and therefore shouldn't exist. That there should, you know, maybe, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to whether there should be a new special edition later, but for this one, like, I am going to take take the uh, stand that I just, I don't think that weird midpoint 20 year old special effects in a 40 year old movie makes sense um do, uh, what what do you think is there a place for the the special edition in the world or is it just you know a mistake now that it's it is itself old and out of date i think i think you have to <laughs> this is this is going to sound a little blasphemous apologies in advance i think you got to kind of treat it like the bible wow you weren't kidding <laughs> hey look we've talked yeah. about the last supper we're talking about going Jesus's right in. feet we're just yeah. going right in Dan, who shoots first in your Wait, version of The did, Last Supper? Did, did they retouch it so Greedo looks kind of like a monkey now? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, Abel kills Cain in this version. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus McClunkied. Think about it this way. I mean, you know, there are there are tons of different versions of the Bible. Everything from the, the King James Bible, right? Which is, of course, a hugely significant document. It's also kind of bizarre in the modern day to view it as this is a translation of something 
from this particular era of history that is an, an adaptation of something from, you know, well over a millennium prior. And yet it still exists in the modern day. It's used less frequently now, but it is a historical document. It's a translation of a translation. <laughs> Written by many different people over hundreds of years. There's a lot happening. And so my point being, I think you need to at least preserve the existence of the 1997 special edition as a note that this happened, as a example of what this is. I don't think that there's any purpose in erasing that any more than there's a purpose in erasing you know, the original theatrical runs. Uh, I'm not saying that it's good. I'm not defending it as a piece of art in and of itself. But the fact that, that it was done is historically significant. Dan, would it have hurt your soul if you had made the other case that you could have made, which is that we've actually lived with the special editions longer than we had lived with the original, and therefore they are superior? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the amount of time, and it's not the fact that it existed. It's it's like we like the Bible. We don't get to choose what becomes a cultural touchstone. And, and kind of like the 78 version of Star Wars, something becomes significant because lots of people see it and it has an influence on them. That's why Star Wars is significant. If nobody saw Star Wars, it would be lot less significant than it is. Sure. Tons of people saw it and it influenced them. Tons of people saw the special editions and it influenced them, including people like us who saw the originals as well. So like it or not, like when, when it comes to what are we going to preserve and how many versions are we going to preserve? When it comes to Star Wars, the answer is all the all versions because yeah. there are very few more important culturally significant movie franchises in the history of ever would you advocate for the special edition to be a primary version though like because that's what it is right now even if they brought back the original as the important for history and film buffs need to look mm -hmm. at it would the version that's on disney plus right now should that be the version of the original trilogy where does that stop jason is my question because if at a certain point if you say okay this this special effects are 20 years out of date we should update them and have a more newer version of the special edition 20 years down the road from now are we going to erase the version that we just made in 2019 i question. mean like you keep we keep rolling man that, that's why i was advocating for for simulating the model so that it would so that it would look exactly the same as the 70s special effects and you would not be able to tell which was the 70s at this point it's a 70s movie it should look like a 70s movie it's a 40 year old movie and it, it's like a it's like a midlife crisis kind of thing like you can put you can put the you can put the middle-aged man in the spot a little car, yt 1300 freighter middle-aged man yeah i mean you can't have ships moving in ways that they couldn't do with the motion control cameras like the whole line but but your question about like is it a primary version of whatever all the versions that have cultural significance sh should be preserved and i think the re-release of the special editions was a culturally significant moment up to that point the biggest moment in star wars since the original trilogy because there were no prequels at that point and then you know like that that was a big moment i remember going to see those in theaters people were Same. excited a lot of people oh, saw yeah. those movies some people grew up with those movies they are significant Yes, they have to be in the mix along with all the other versions. But if I sign up for Disney Plus and I want to watch Star Wars and I press play, what version should I see? Yeah, so the, so the default <laughs> is tricky. I think the only the only real arguments for the default are the, on the one side is you show the the original theatrical releases, which is a strong foundation to, to say, well, here's what you wanted to see, right? And if you want to see something different, you should have specified, right? And on the other side of that is a uh, we haven't maybe this is later in your questioning but like a new version made from those raw materials that is not uh doesn't have terrible changes like that that version as far as i'm concerned does not yet exist but if you want to have a default other than show me perhaps the m mildly cleaned up denoised version of uh the original theatrical release there's no mm -hmm. there's nothing out there that that fills that so i and i think right now the, your choices would be original 
special edition or does not exist or the, extra crispy the, uh, the blu-ray version if you want to exclude a version it's those stupid you know seven-year-old blu-ray re-releases God, those terrible. should not be on on oh, the menu anywhere. they're so bad we're not just talking about effects when it comes to the special editions and we we need to take a second and discuss that yeah because there are plot things that changed and it feels like episode four went through a bunch of iterations and five and six did not like the special editions Less are different, so, yes. yes, but I don't feel as offended by five and six if I have to sit through a special edition because I am forced. You, you've clearly forgotten about the Jabba's Palace. <laughs> yeah, the musical number in Return of the Jedi is yeah. really is Oh, really I remember. Oh, I remember. And, and it makes uh, the changes to five stand out more like when you see the cloud cars the coming cloud up on City. Cloud City. Like, yeah. it's, it's everything's outside so now. Much. But they don't change the plot. Yeah, yeah it, true. There's also the franchise building argument here, which is what do you do again about like they show Coruscant celebrating at the end of Return of the Jedi because it's important in the in the prequels. They show Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. Like these are changes that mm-hmm. are enormous changes and yet if you're somebody discovering Star Wars now, it does actually add linkages to the movies even though it like I do not want Hayden Christensen in Return of the no. Jedi. No, you, you can't retroactively make the MCU. Sorry. Like you yeah. th- that, And that goes for the weird, exactly. that goes for the weird emperor in in Empire Strikes Back too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get baboon right. eyes, that's what you get. <laughs> you know, there's things like the emperor slugs that could be cleaned up that don't affect the plot of right. the film or or the fundamental arc of a character over those three films and that's why i have such strong opinions about han shooting first so (laughs) that's i think that's the part that makes me the unhappiest because there's additional scenes that are added or things that are modified in episode four that change the whole like the repercussions of things that happen throughout the rest of the rest of episode four, as well as five and six. Those are the things that I found really frustrating in watching these. Like I can sit through, we've extended the dance sequence in Jabba's palace, whatever. Like that doesn't change anything that happens in Jabba's palace. Yeah. It's just really bad, but you're right. It doesn't change. Anything. It's bad, but it, but it's, it doesn't change anything. Well, yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think we all agree. Like the, 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 the SEs are not, improvements like no one's saying yeah. that they made no, the, they no, made no. the movies worse yeah. it's just that i you know and talk about preserving them like again if, if you had to think what are your primary choices for which version of star wars do you want to see original se and the version that doesn't yet exist and the in-betweenies there are a bunch of in-betweenies from like the the digital one that was included on the dvd and there's the laser disc versions there's this blu-ray thing mm-hmm. that was made a while like that the currently is digital like there's there's so many weird iterations but the tent poles are original SE and uh, the one that we're all going to make together by the end of this podcast. <laughs> and, and this goes actually, and I'm so glad Kelly mentioned the Star Trek thing because it is not a bad example, which, and I've read a bunch of articles about it. What would they have done if they had had like the time they didn't have and the money they didn't have? They were building things that were honoring the models of the of the era but that they could have a slightly different camera move or you know every planet was not a red marble so they did things like that and then they fixed mistakes like there's a 
Mr. Sulu's chronometer runs the wrong way and doesn't make any sense and is not in a number sequence that makes sense. And it always drove me crazy as a kid. And in the <laughs> fixed version, um, it, it works right. <laughs> like, that's all they did. That's like the change where they changed the uh, English text to Oribesh yeah. in, in episode four. Right. Which is like, we're not we're not yes. going to change. As, as Kelly said, we're not going to change the story. We're not going to change the characters. What we're going to really try to do is clean, clean it up and make it look good but make it look like it was made in 1977 and as good as it can be and and yeah. you could make an argument that that means don't make any new effects but you could also make the argument that well you could clean up the effects and maybe make some changes there as long as it looks like it did in 1977 essentially and you just need to follow those kind of rules but you still need to have the original right because that's the historical Mm -hmm. document yeah and a lot of what they do in episode five and episode six is doing things like cleaning up mat lines and that kind of stuff exactly that's that's stuff that's probably fine and i think that's great like i'm glad that you made it so that the the cockpit lines when you're when your point of view is out the cockpit, those cockpit lines are 100% black now because they can do that, which they couldn't do before. And that's awesome. Bare minimum, what I want is the original theatrical release versions of the three movies. But I feel like the 97 special editions, I have friends who were teenagers when the SEs came out. They have a certain fondness for the SEs, not because they like the changes that were made. They hate all the same stuff that it seems like all of us hate. But there, there is something about that theatrical moment in history that I think is worthy of preservation like doing that it doesn't really cost that much and and i feel like if there is ever an argument to be made to george that thoroughly placates i wouldn't say his ego but his anxieties about this that really sell the argument to him it might actually be that i think because of the franchise completion and connective tissue thing the default version that we're going to be shown whether we like it or not is this lucas final edition finished a few years ago and in theory who knows maybe added like keep screwing with it keep screwing with the default version that comes up in the menu as long as it means that we get access to the other thing um because any argument to try to get him to stop hasn't hasn't done any uh, hasn't made any difference you mentioned anxieties and i think that's i think that's perfect because what we haven't talked about here is why does why did george lucas make eight different versions of his movies. And I think the answer is that he is not only obsessed with sort of driving cinema forward technically, um, but that he was embarrassed by by Star Wars. Like he was embarrassed. (laughs) Star Wars is in his entire identity. I mean, he, when he wasn't making Star Wars during those dark years, he was running the Star Wars company and, and selling action figures and doing all that kind of stuff. His decades of his life are Star Wars whether he was making the movies themselves or animated series or not. And it is so completely bound up in his personal identity, not just because he, he named his hero's journey character, Luke after himself, um, after his family name. Um, it, it is, it is completely intertwined with him. It's, it's indivisible from him for as long as he breathes. Well, and, and you gotta, you gotta think at the same time, it's because it was the the most popular thing he ever did, right? Like he doesn't go back and spend a lot of time tweaking American Graffiti or THX, you know. Like he, <laughs> though he did both of those, he did, he did, but he does not spend <laughs> nearly as much time or an effort doing it, and that's because they're not as popular. Yeah, there's not eight iterations of Willow, right? I mean, and, and why? Because again, they're not the cultural touchstones, and whether that means they were they were always more important to him 
uh, versus the, you know, just happened to be the thing that really caught on and thus became the thing that was most important to him. It's unclear. But I think, you know, it's a combination of factors is that it's, as Jason said, it's something that if Ed had just slid by and everyone was like, this is a pretty good movie. Like, I don't think yeah. he ever would have changed anything. But the fact that so many people were obsessed with it is just the indication of him just wanting to constantly go back and tweak at it because every time he sees it, he only sees the flaws, yeah, right? Oh, it like could be it, better. Has, it could be better. Exactly. As any artist will tell you, looking yeah. at their work and like looking, oh, God, I wish I hadn't chosen that word. I wish I hadn't chosen that. But, but does he? Well, it's obvious that he doesn't see the flaws, though. He sees a bunch of stuff he that he wants flaws, to change. He sees his flaws, but that's right. the thing. Is he, his, 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 his lens is very different from uh, ours. In case Jason doesn't get to this question, I'm going to bring it up now because it, <laughs> it, it, bring, it reminds me of Lucas and seeing his flaws. The thing, as the years march on and more and more of these weird versions come out and we all sit here and watch our own weird, slightly illegitimate versions mm-hmm. that we may or may not have, right? The thing that's uh, really getting to me about Lucas's changes to these original trilogy is the color. How can we have so many different versions, all of which have awful color in them? <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, and we know they have awful color because we have these these you know quasi legitimate versions, and we see like I have my memory of what the color should be, and then when I look at something like negative one or whatever, I'm like, yeah, that's what I remember. That's the color. Yeah. Vader's lightsaber was red. Luke's was blue, and then it was green. It wasn't like teal. Everything wasn't covered in a wash of like MCU style blue tint. That's not what the movies look like. They look like seventies Technicolor movie. Like it was. It that they don't. And so with every new version, I look at them and I and I just pick up a pick a scene with a bunch of gray in it, and I pull it up and I put it next to like. I mean, you just do it. How can he keep making new versions of these movies? And either not care about the color grading or want it to be so incredibly different. Like, you're not going to turn it into a moody, you know, modern movie with this dramatic uh, color tinted, you know, wash across the whole thing. That's not what we remember. It doesn't serve the footage well. And it makes everything look sort of insipid and pale and awful. And... Every time there's a new version, forget about, you know, Han shooting first and thing and the plot changes. I'm like, I'm mean, it's such a, a stage of bargaining at this point. Like, can, can we just get the colors right? Right. <laughs> can we just, can we just fix the color and the framing? Like, cause, cause, uh, can, can we just wanted, make it look like a movie yeah. from 1977 it, yeah. and not, could, and not, and not a movie shot in 2015. Yeah. And, and like the framing too, Lucas, Lucas has cropped the interiors of the, the, uh, the Millennium Falcon's cockpit, uh, tighter because he didn't mm-hmm. like the fact that Kirshner made a bigger set. Right. So he all those scenes of them in the cockpit are cropped tighter than they were in the original theatrical release. So we're missing information around the edges of the thing. It's like, don't change the framing. Don't change the color. And then we can say, oh, by the way, don't add extraneous scenes. Don't change what characters do. Don't add McClunky. Like, but the color is driving me nuts. And and, and that's why I feel like, you know, the, the all of the current versions don't except for SE and original don't have the cultural significance to be like on the menu of a handful of and we should, you know, we should have all those versions. We do have all those versions like they're here, whether we like them yeah. or not. But if you had to pick uh, the, the the milestones, it's original SE as awful as, as it is. And then a new version, which to start has to have the right damn colors and frame. Well, so this is one of the questions I was going to ask is and, and I feel like Dan <laughs> shut it down pretty well. In, 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 <laughs> although I'm, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> counter arguments which is 
do you do a new special edition with modern special effects? And I think Dan's response was very good, which is, we're just going to be back here again in 20 years. Well, maybe not us, but our, our you know, our, uh, our children <laughs> oh, it'll be us. will be back here in 20 years. Our, our, in our robot bodies, we'll be here in 20 years to say, well, these 2019 special effects look terrible. We need 2039 special effects in here. So, you know, is this, so is the right track for a new version? Hmm. Let's, let's all co-sign restored version of the original the best that they can make it because it's historically valid um but should there be like the other version is the do everything you can following a set of rules to make a a cleaned up nice version of 1977 not changing the content other than to make it look as good as possible not b- designing new ships inventing new shots is that something worth doing or is that just a path to more um special editions that's opening it's opening a different pandora's box uh for me how many boxes does she have yeah well i mean there 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 are too many boxes too many versions i think there's a distinction here though like to give an example from the sc um uh the the x-wing squadron uh you know coming in on the death star red five standing by that whole that scene Mm -hmm. if you draw outlines around the ship's in the original and the SE, they're not the shots are not the same. They're totally different. Like forget about how the effects look or anything like that. The camera move is not the same. The ships are not in the same formation. You're not the same distance from them. It's a different shot. So I feel like that is one hard line you can say is like, are you know if you were to rotoscope this, if you were to trace the outline of all the objects in the scenes, they should overlap exactly, right? Forget about mm-hmm. what's in the content of them. So. No, no new cuts. Yeah. No new scenes. No new camera moves. No new anything. No added stormtrooper squads in the background to make it look crazy. Yeah, exactly. No, no new, no new probe droid in the background. No. Oh, I think there should be a few more X wings on the shot. So let's put them more in the background. No. No new anything. But within that, with the technology that we have, it's possible that we could entirely replace the third X wing from the left in a way that you would never know that the original X-Wing is totally not visible and what you see is an entirely CG creation. Because when you look at it, you're like, oh, this is the original footage. It's just like it was in 77. It should be indistinguishable to you. So I feel like that's that's sort of the line, that all that's the shots are the weird, same. There's a weird gaslighting thing going on there. It's like, why why do that if you're not going to notice? Because you have to, like, you know, that's brought up a, big point for, a good point before. There is no one theatrical release. It's always going to be an amalgam of a bunch of other things. So, so when you make the original release, you do have to do some sort of fudging. When you make the the third choice, you've got original, which you have to fudge somehow and come up with like an average or whatever to put on to put on the menu in Disney Plus, and that's the original theatrical release. Then you have the, the stupid SEs that we all hate in the middle, and then you have your third choice, which is just like the original, except it completely cleaned up. And when necessary, if some piece of content or footage is totally scrambled and looks terrible in 4K digitally replace that background x-wing with entirely digital creation erase the other one entirely from the from the thing and put in a digital one but no one will ever know because it looks exactly like the the original one in that shot and of course all the shots are the same and of course all the dialogue is the same and of course like it's it's the same damn movie as the the one in the first choice in the menu except everything is clearer and nicer and maybe the you know the the soundtrack is the best tech that we have with the available raw you know like everything is is amped up and and hdr which by 
the way, the ones that are on Disney Plus are now not. Are, they say they're HDR, they're, but not actually they're HDR. not. Yeah, they don't they're have not. that kind of dynamic. Range. And if we never have that kind of dynamic range, fine. We shouldn't try to synthesize it in that one. So that that would be my choice for the third one, which is it's like the theatrical release, except we clean everything up to the best of our ability, so that you never know what part <laughs> of a frame was touched because it looks exactly the same as as it does in your mind's eye in seventy seven. My hesitation to signing on to your second version beyond the original theatrical thing is that when you nudge that door open, then it's, oh, well, then we should make the color timing on all three movies agree, which is something that no, they've no, been that, trying that to wasn't do. In the, that, that was a clearly I, sat down set of It's not in the manifesto, Moises. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, I, I feel like practically speaking, um, that's, that's the thing that's most important to me is the color timing. And if it's a matter of ju- just let me see the movies in the colors and the, and the way that they looked originally, I am totally fine with the door being, uh, completely sealed shut and, and Syracuse's manifesto not even being brought to the table. To answer your early question of, do we think it's even worth doing it or is just the theatrical preservation enough? No one's at ILM or anywhere in the world is going to say that's enough for simple reasons like the big Vaseline blob underneath the speeder. That's got to be in the in the theatrical preservation. But there's no way anyone at ILM is going to be like, can we just can we for the for the special one? Can we get rid of the Vaseline blob? They're going like that's that's why you need the third version. Is yeah. the theatrical one has to have the Vaseline blob. It absolutely has to yeah. lovingly preserve that blob. It's like the Photoshop file with all the layers turned off, and then you right. save that, and then you turn all the layers back on, and you save but that. It's, <laughs> but it's gonna. But when you do the third version, you're gonna look at that blob and be like that's why i was my rules were saying like if you draw the outline around the speeder it's in the same place it goes the same speed (laughs) but of course you clean up the vaseline blob and and john you're pointing to the blade runner argument there are what four versions of blade runner there's five i think five there's There's the the work print the theatrical cut the quote-unquote director's cut which wasn't (laughs) actually director (laughs) did not actually involve the director uh there there was another one uh in between that and the final cut and and i feel like it there's just there's got to be the right chemical mix of things in the ether that that are okay and if it's original theatrical uh print scans with blobs and you know not cleaned up and not prettied up at all the special editions which have never been released on a home video format in the way that they were exhibited in theaters and this is what i'm really saying is that i i think that you in the end what would happen is that they would convene a group of people and they would have to come up with what those rules are to create i think inevitably they need to create a definitive version of star wars and I would argue, and I think that, you know, we've kind of talked around it here, I would argue that the definitive version of Star Wars is no longer attempting to look like a modern movie because, you know, you could have gotten away with it when it was 20 years old, but that ship has Mm -hmm. sailed. You cannot do that. So what you want to do is make the best looking 1977, 1980, 1983 movie you can, which means, yes, that's the cleanup historical version, save, and then you do the um, enhanced but only in ways to do things like get rid of that blob under the land speeder and things like that. So that that's the version when you press play, you see. I think you hit on it, Jason, with enhanced edition. I think an enhanced edition is something I can maybe get behind in a way that I cannot get behind the special edition. And I think part of the reason we're even having this conversation and the reason that we don't have this episode about, about Blade Runner is because they gave us all of the versions of Blade Runner. Right. That, yeah. th- that I think, is core to our... We're, we're pu- putting down our manifesto here. Core to our principles. Yeah. You do need to do a restored version for historical purposes. You do need to make multiple versions available to fans who want to see them legally because it is his, uh, it, it is actually now a movie that is in part culturally his, um, significant 
significant because of all the changes and different versions mm-hmm. that have been made. So right. make them all available. And then and then you can choose whatever the heck you want to be your default. Although we would like to encourage you, Lucasfilm, Disney, to make of to make it a an enhanced restored kind of like inspired by the original but cleaned up a little bit more version if you must yeah. have a a new default that is more pleasing to uh you know a kid who your their parents are showing them star wars for the first time and that's what they do with the godfather even like because they have you know they, what they say is they're preserving the original but it's basically an enhanced edition where they digitally yeah. messed yeah, the with it restoration, to, tr- I to think try to make yeah. it look like it did in the 70s but also it's you know it looks cleaned better. up and adjusted <laughs> To, be, to look to look a little bit better yeah, and really really the black it's still the godfather yeah, it still was made in 1972 or whatever but yeah it but it looks great like and that i think that's the goal right is not to be be like like in, in 97 it was like now with modern special effects and it was like ooh ah right now that would not be the selling point of a new version it would really be like the colors look right it, finally it's the best looking 1977 <laughs> yeah. star wars ever <laughs> that's it Exactly. And that's and that's all I want. And that's what I would pay for. And I think that's a thing that somehow is falling or at least used to uh, under the old guard fall under fall on deaf ears is I will buy that edition from you. I will not buy the junk you tried to pimp to me on Blu-ray before Disney Plus existed. I what I always said was, look, make this make this the hundred dollar collectors only totally ridiculous limited yes. edition version that is you know make it not the mainstream consumer release but the, but not having it at all having it be completely wiped away is mm-hmm. the is like the root problem of this whole thing cuz i will tell you i love the editions that i have but they are not official and i don't feel good about having to watch one that I did not purchase yes. because I want to purchase it. Exactly. I would I would gladly pay for the enhanced version. I would pay for the theatrical edition, just like I paid for the box set of Blade Runner that's sitting here behind me with all those mm-hmm. editions on it. And if I want to watch a different one, I can. And, you know, like I said, I think that's part of why we're having this conversation is because if they would give them to us, we wouldn't have this to rail against anymore. And, they you know, keep put remaking it, in, it as long as they want. Right. Yeah. yeah, like it released the individual tracks to the internet and people can make their own mixes. Put it into <laughs> the bonkers edition that Jason's talking about that has the paperback about the making of the movies and it includes a scrap of one of George's actual flannel shirts <laughs> and you can also get the holiday special with a download code from Movies Anywhere. Like, make it the $200 edition and I'm still going to buy it so that I can have the ones that I grew up with. This episode would not exist if the Blu-rays had come out and one of the options on the Blu-rays was, oh, watch the original edition. Like, Mm -hmm. this, it would not be an issue, right? But instead it's like, oh, well, we released it on DVD, but it was the Laserdisc version and then those are gone away forever. And it's like, no, like that, that at, at its core, the most important thing here is that you can't actually, if you're, if you're somebody who saw Star Wars in the theater, like I did, or, or any of the original trilogy, like you can't see those movies legally now. And that's, dumb that's bad that should not be the case for something so significant to so many people when the library of congress uh names something as historically significant and for preservation and the answer from the filmmaker is oh no you can't <laughs> um that's that's that just not is cool icky. that's just not yeah. cool it's not like, you cool you you know that there is authorial ownership of the material but to an extent 
um, the audience that embraces it. I mean, they're the reason that it's being preserved. They're the reason that it's being historically <laughs> preserved. Not only did George Lucas not own Star Wars then, he really doubly does not own it now, right? Yeah. Like it belongs yeah. to culture, the culture, it belongs to the world, it belongs to the fans, and it belongs to Disney. So like George, I, I, and this is, I cannot imagine what the politics are of Bob Iger and Kathy Kennedy and George Lucas and the fact that George throws pot shots at their movies when they come out and all of that. I cannot imagine what that is, but like, just do it. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't care what George says. Like, I don't care what Steve Wozniak mm. has to say about Apple. I just don't care. I don't think you need to worry about what George has. I, I think the coddling George's feelings... It's over. He got paid. He walked away. He chose. He made a decision. And I frankly don't care if he gets really upset if they decide they want to restore the whole thing. I think that's ridiculous. He 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 gave it away, and that that is done. Just wait until they reboot the original trilogy with a bunch of young teenage actors in ten years. <laughs> the elephant in the room that we haven't discussed is eventually they're gonna remake it. And yeah, hey, they are. you know How if you look you? at if you look at Rogue One with uh, its computer generated <laughs> oh, Grand Moff no, Tarkin, they, they should do an animated remake. It's the reverse of the Disney thing where you do live action remakes <laughs> of classic animated movies. They should do an animated remake of. But the they're just trilogy. gonna do it. They're just gonna rebuild all of those actors as CGI models like they did with Peter Cushing. <laughs> They're done. They're gonna do it. I'm putting money down on that. For for me, like going going back to what John was saying earlier about the limitation of resources, and there's only so much that we can reasonably expect to be done, and it's a matter of choosing our battles with what we ask for. Um, I feel like as much as I would like the enhanced edition to exist, I don't see there being a pathway to Disney financing the costs involved in that because it like Jason was saying. If we had the original theatrical versions of the movies on that Blu-ray set, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We wouldn't have created the construct of the enhanced editions. We wouldn't be this far down the rabbit hole. Moises, when you're Disney, the cost of everything is negligible. There's some truth to that, but it's a matter of them wanting to spend that money instead of counting it. Yeah, and like to, to do the enhanced edition, you need creatives, though. Like you don't like just cleaning up the theatrical of the prequels is easy because you don't really need uh, like a heavy creative control there. But you do need like the, the rules that we were talking about, and there also needs to be a yes. creative person involved. How how do you want to remove the Vaseline for the enhanced edition? Sure. Do we do we make a, a new CG model of that scene and render it out and clip out a portion of it? Or do we just like do a 2D per frame painting? There's lots of different choices, creative choices about how you address the Vaseline blob. And you need a person there, a talented person who's good at doing that to make the right choice in each one of those situations so that it is entirely transparent to you and you don't notice that anything changed. It's just that the Vaseline is now gone. You know what I mean? And so that that's why the, the enhanced edition, like I think Moises brings up a good point. The the commercial prospects for the enhanced editions are the most questionable. The, the commercial prospects of the theatrical is easy to explain, right? But enhanced edition is like, we're going to make a new version. It's going to look just like the theatrical, but slightly better. Was it going to have new scenes? No. Is it going to have any new effects? Not that anyone can see. It'll cost... <laughs> Five million dollars. Yeah, a lot of money. So <laughs> this is, and this is what I w would say is, I will write you a check. It's up to it's up <laughs> to Lucasfilm, ultimately, to decide. And I think what it comes down to is, what is the final product, final default product of Star Wars that you're happy with? And if you're happy with the 4K HDR McLunky edition with terrible that is color, currently on Disney Plus with bad color. If if you've decided, you know what. It's not worth it for us to do anymore. That was George's final version. We're going to make a restored historic version that a lot of people are going to watch, and that's fine. But this is our final like default product for this franchise, for these these 
movies is this new you know fourth iteration of the special edition if they decide that they can save some money i i do wonder if the people at lucasfilm will look at it and be like oh they're really not very good it's kind of embarrassing i i would rather go back and make this look like a 70s movie like it was rather than this weird hybrid but that's a judgment call and that really is about yeah do you want to spend your money and your time on that or not. And I think that's an interesting question for the stewards of the franchise. Like, what do you want the default version of this movie to be? And, and do you care about return on investment? Like, oh, we spent this much money. We make the theatrical ones because we're good historians and we do that and we don't care about whether that makes any money. We just have to do it because we're good human beings. And then we make this enhanced edition that we know we're going to lose money on. But in the grand scheme of things, it's peanuts compared to, you know, a day of ticket sales of the episode 25 or whatever the hell we're up to at that point. Right. Yeah. So let's just do it anyway uh, and put it out there there and make the enhanced edition the default and the theatrical edition the the cool curiosity and then the se is in the menu too for people who don't like themselves <laughs> as much as i dislike the quote-unquote final version that is on disney plus right now for a variety of reasons i don't like the color timing for different reasons than i dislike the color timing on the blu-ray releases um plus all the special edition stuff um negating it as the default philosophically is something that bothers me from from the standpoint of director's cuts that have gone well. And, you know, you got Ridley Scott's uh, final cut of Blade Runner, which I think is a responsible way of going about it, making sure that everything else is available. But jumping to another Ridley Scott movie entirely, Kingdom of Heaven, the actual director's final version of it only exists because it was released on home video later. And so as much as I dislike George's final version, um, precedent-wise... I mean, the Directors Guild and people like Scorsese and Lucas and Spielberg and all these folks who fought battles with studios just to get the right to make their authorial version of of things um, that, that they were happy with. I don't feel like that ship is going to get turned around. It's too far out of port. I feel like the thing that I can realistically, pragmatically believe that they are going to do is George's final version is going to be the default version. And it ties into all the stuff that they have done since in the horrible, terrible ways that George wanted it to. Fine, great, whatever. The simpler and cleaner the argument is where it's just we want to preserve the theatrically released versions of these movies, the original 77, 80, and 83, the 97 SEs of all three, and then this final ultra messed with edition that has gone through somewhere around 12 distinct versions of the movie. I, I feel like settling on realistically those three versions is the only thing that I feel like I have any hope of actually seeing happen. Because the moment we're asking Disney to spend a bunch of money to solve a problem that on a spreadsheet they see one of these three versions solving for them already, I, I just don't see them doing it. But to put on my cynics hat, I think what will actually happen when enough time has passed is they will make the enhanced edition as I described it and present it as the theatrical edition. And so and it will become the default when we're all really old. So John Syracuse got dark. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen, though, because because like the ability for a for profit company to not remove the Vaseline blob, it's like it's very difficult for them to do that. Right. So I feel like they're going to they're going to essentially make an enhanced edition and say, now the theatrical edition, just like it was shown in theaters, and it will be a lie. It will not yeah. be the theatrical. It'll be John the will edition. say that. 
that's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> right. Where's the Vaseline blob? It should be squirming all over the screen. It's not even there. It's a clear, clear line of sight underneath that lens. That Jedi beard. hand wave won't work on it me. It is the original version from a certain point of view. Yeah, exactly. No, but because because there w- eventually there will be money to be made when we're all very old and very gray. So there will be money to be made in quote unquote the theatrical versions for a bunch of old people for a lot of money but they won't be there's no like the only people who have the correct mindset to preserve the theatrical ones are things like the library of congress or like historians right no for-profit company is ever going to put that out right so i think john i i want to yes and your cynics take with an optimistic bent which is uh I, I too believe that they they uh, cynically are looking for whatever profit drivers in whatever ways they can re-exploit things. I mean, just go to one of the theme parks and you see it in thrilling plasticine color. Um, I see I see doing cost effective but responsible scans of the theatrical release versions as one dip and the special editions as another dip and then the enhanced edition as a third dip along the line. Because they're not going to pass up opportunities to recharge people for new physical editions of this. Disney Plus exists, and that's fine. But if you look at Disney Plus, there's all kinds of stuff on the physical home packaged media releases of these things that aren't on Disney Plus. There are some Mm -hmm. extras from some of these movies, but they want you to buy the digital edition, buy the home media edition, um, rebuy the digital edition in a new Walt Disney signature collection thing like this. They are masters of the re-release. And so if anything, I feel like we're focus grouping a roadmap for them. You need to sell us this original movie before we all are too old to care or hear it or see Yeah, it. you need to sell it to me before I'm on a fixed income and can't afford it. There is a window too, right? Because there is eventually a, a group of people who have never seen the special, the, the original theatrical release and, don't and remember. they don't care. Yeah, we're already, right? <laughs> yeah. Again, there are probably, you know, more people. Your have, market have seen is it moving. Now. One more thing before we go that I want to ask, which is uh, Kelly alluded to it earlier and it's really quick, uh, but I wanted to ask all of you. When you watch the original Star Wars trilogy, what version do you watch? Kelly, what do you watch? Harmony's Despecialized. Harmony's Despecialized of all of them, which is, if you Google it, mm-hmm. you can find out that you might be able to find that rolling by a, uh, your house on a truck. All over the place. It's around. It's around. And, and it's we around. should say it is a fan restoration where they have taken the highest quality possible versions from lots of different sources and patched them together, sometimes on like different parts of the frame uh mm-hmm. in order to get so like that that blob the vaseline blob like they're taking the hd version from the blu-ray but then they're patching in with a film scan of the vaseline blob to return the vaseline blob to its rightful place it's that level of uh <laughs> restore the vaseline blob to health yep that's right it's a uh, <laughs> it's it's remarkable and that's just fans and that's what puts the lie to the whole idea of like oh well we just can't restore it because we don't yeah. even have the originals mm-hmm. like i've seen i know they could be they're not like super pristine but they're pretty darn good and i watch them on a giant television like, they look good I, they look so good and part of and that's actually part of why i was glad when disney bought lucasfilm and ostensibly star wars was because i was like well disney knows how to make a buck they just bought a machine that prints money it's called star wars now i'll get the theatrical releases right and so that like i just assumed that was the thing that was gonna happen but until then with your hand in your wallet this whole time i have but until then i have harmy's despecialized which is 
in essence, as close to a theatrical release as I can find. Yeah. But looks beautiful. Looks pretty good. Dan, are you Hermes to specialized? Uh, I am. Uh, I mean, I, I've got this coming up since we're, like I said, we're rewatching all the movies, but it's, um, yeah, there's, there's really nothing else out there that kind of comes close. If I'm in a pinch and I'm feeling adventurous, I will literally hook up my laser disc player. Yes, it, you have <laughs> it for the I don't know disc. if it even works with my TV anymore. <laughs> when Dan's feeling real frisky. Hey, <laughs> the laser disc comes out. Oh, That's boy. how the laser, yeah, oh, you know man. what? Laser disc. Yeah, I have the VHS editions of those, and I do have a VCR for when I do feel mm-hmm. like those are the ones I need to watch. The Harmy, the Despecialized Edition from Harmy has mostly filled that need, but I still have it. John, Despecialized for you too? Mostly, except that I, I can, I've seen them enough that I can kind of see the seams sometimes. So I have negative one, and I, I'll mix that one in for a new hope only. Right. So uh, that's a Harmies, team negative Harmies run is a. They found a very good thirty-five millimeter film print of the original Star Wars. Is that right? And then they scanned it, cleaned it up, and scanned it. They sourced multiple different release prints, and my, my personal preference is actually the team negative one versions because the. I I love Harmies. Despecialized was how I watched it for years, but the uh, Frankenstein Star Wars nature of it, where there are those paste-ins, there are parts of it that use color timing that I'm not a fan of. The thing I love the most about the Team Negative One version is it is sourcing directly from theatrical release prints with the original color timing. There's no modifications needing done to it. It is the, the way the color timing is. Uh, people see film grain and they see noise. I see film grain and I see the way that the movie should ideally look. Maybe cleaning up a little bit of the film grain is is a, is a good thing. But for me, uh, it, it's probably the most purest thing about me. I like the texture of the film grain. I like that it feels like the best quality version of of reproducing the experience that would have been had in a theater in 77, in a theater in 80, in a theater in 83. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with the imperfections because that's why I want the original theatrical versions anyway. It's something that feels feels like what I want out of the best original version of the movie that I could hope for. All right. Well, I think we solved it. So <laughs> Lucasfilm. And Jason, we fixed Star Wars. Get in touch. Right. So you need someone to guide the creative process of the enhanced edition. I am available. All right. Good. My rates are very reasonable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Uh, we are as we are caught between McClunky and the release of episode nine, and I'm glad that we had it. I'd like to thank my guests for being here and talking about what to do with a classic movie that doesn't look like it used to. Dan Morin, thank you. Uh, I, you know what? I don't even have a good quote. It's <laughs> I, I don't know what version of the you, quote you're to caught use. between McClunky and New York City. Yeah. I don't know. I- <laughs> McClunky. Yeah, indeed. John Syracuse, some McClunky to you. Force will be with you, Jason. Always. Kelly Gamont, thank you. I have spoken. Mm, uh, contemporary reference. And Moises Chuyan, thank you. McClunky to all and to all a good night. Happy Life Day, everybody. We'll see you next Happy week. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day.